0: Welcome to the Polymer Science Podcast. I am Dr. Alicia Buetis. And I'm Jacob Sheckman. In this podcast, we'll be speaking to researchers from around the world and talk to them about how their work is improving our daily lives. I hope you enjoy our conversation and that you learn something new. Hello, everyone. Today, we are talking to Dr. Jacqueline October. He is currently working as a postdoc in the Department of Molecular Catalysis at the Max Planck Institute for Chemical Energy Conversion. He works in the area of homogeneous catalysis with a focus on carbonylization reactions, such as hydroformylation, methoxycarbonylization, and carboxycarbonylization. He is also an old colleague of mine from Stellenbosch University, and it was such a great way of catching up with him. Thank you for all your support with the Polymer Science Podcast. Remember to subscribe, and if you enjoyed this episode, please share it, and also leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a lovely day. Welcome to the podcast. I am so glad to have you on. Thank you for giving me your time on a Saturday morning. I really appreciate it. Um, for the people that do not know you, can you give us a quick introduction about you and tell us a bit more about yourself and um, you know your studies at the moment and where you are?
1: Yeah, most uh, certainly. So um, I first have to say hi or hello to the audience of the uh, Polymer uh, Science uh, podcast and It's really a privilege for me to actually be here um, on a Saturday morning. And uh, actually, it's (laughs) my birthday uh, this morning, today. Oh, wow. So, yeah. um,
0: Happy birthday.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it, yeah. So, yeah, um, my name is, uh, obviously, it's Dekun October. And um, I'm originally from um, uh, the Western Cape region where I grew up in a small town just outside uh, Heidelberg uh, Cape. Um, and then it's basically where I uh, finished my uh, primary as well as my uh, high school schooling. And then after uh, finishing um, the school there, I attended uh, Stellenbosch University, uh, where I studied uh, chemistry um, and uh, biochemistry. Um, but then eventually, um, chemistry um, prevailed over uh, biochemistry. <clears throat> So at Stelham University, I completed my, uh, also my postgraduate studies, uh, my honours, my master's and my uh, PhD, where I basically trained as uh, organometallic chemist um, under the supervision of uh, Professor Amapoli, uh, where we basically focus on coordination chemistry um, and catalysis. And yeah, uh, now I'm in, in Germany and just building on that foundation that we're laid in um, South Africa.
0: So that's yeah, amazing. Yeah, really... So, um, how did you find the tr- transition from South Africa to your new postgraduate position in Germany?
1: Yeah, I- I'll say from uh, from a professional uh, point of view, the transition from uh, Germany to South Africa was not uh, that difficult, and it was mainly because the like the Max Planck uh, Institute uh, has uh, excellent support system. In place that actually helps you to feel welcome, um, but basically help you to settle and to acclimatise to the the new country. But I'll say from obviously from a personal point of view, uh, it was obviously difficult because now uh, I'm thousands of kilometres away from home, Um, so basically have to adjust to uh, a new culture, uh, a new language and. Basically, this is a yeah. new or uh, different way of, of doing things, which obviously is, is difficult. Um, but, I mean, um, you have to embrace it. Um, uh, yeah. I think that's the beauty of it. I mean, you have to, you have to be open to, to new things um, because it basically takes you out of your out of your comfort zone and I think it's only once you're out of your comfort zone that you can actually start growing as, yeah. uh, as an individual. So, yeah, no, I love that's it.
0: That's so true. No, that's very true. I think you only start growing yeah. once you're out of your comfort zone. Yeah. So what did been, you yeah. find the most challenging? But I also want to add to this question, like what was the most exciting or unexpectedly wonderful thing that you experienced over there?
1: Yeah, I'll say that probably the most uh, challenging thing, obviously, is the COVID-19 pandemic.
0: <sighs> yeah. Because
1: obviously, I had to move during the pandemic. I had to leave. Uh, my family behind. I had to leave my friends uh, behind. Um, and uh, obviously, <clears throat> my move here, um, as I mentioned, uh, were delayed by about uh, two months, and it was obviously frustrating because, uh, especially once you've uh, finished your PhD, um, you are like ready to take on the new challenge. So that was <laughs> that was um, uh, uh, at one difficult thing, but. Then eventually everything worked out. I could move there, move here mm-hmm. to Germany, and I think I was here for about six weeks um, in the laboratory. And then uh, Germany entered uh, a new wave of, uh, of oh. infections, which means that we had to basically go back home for another six week, another six week at home. Which were again frustrating, but I mean, like, um, it's not like um, I'm the only one going through this. Like, mm. all of us, um, all over the world, is uh, going, th- <clears throat> is going through yeah. uh, the same thing. So yeah, I just, I just took it and I just went for, it, went through it, and yeah. Awesome. And I'll, I'll say the most exciting thing, obviously, is it's a new country. It's a, uh, you see new things, um, and uh, you get to get the experience. Uh, Oh, um much more wonderful thing and obviously um, the way like when, when I came here I, I think it was close to Christmas time
0: oh, I mean wow. obviously
1: oh. yeah they, they do things much, um, they're much more serious about like um, um, the decorations celebrating, yeah. <laughs> yeah the decorations so I think that's one thing that I actually um, quite, did, which were, it's obviously different from South Africa mm-hmm. um, so yeah that is one thing that I actually quite like wow. Um, I didn't, I didn't manage to like experience Christmas market. So hopefully, hopefully yeah, this of year course, I will be the... much more lucky.
0: But um, the snow, yeah. did you experience the snow though? <laughs> I,
1: I I did actually. So I think. Is it, uh, it, where's the,
0: is it like how we, South Africans imagine snow angels and snowballs and, you know, like building <laughs> snowmen the whole time. But I think it's a lot more gritty and a lot more challenging than that. If you live yeah, in a place so... where there's snow.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it it is. Um, um, I, I didn't know how to build a snowman until <laughs> I like um saw people building a snowman, and then I said, oh, so that is how you hold the snow to actually get everything in a ball. So that was quite interesting. But it was actually my first experience of snow because I mean, like in South Africa, it doesn't it gets cold, but it doesn't like snow. You have to go to the snow to yeah. actually uh, experience it. But I'll say that the, the one thing that I don't like about the snow is the effect <laughs> that, like, when it's snowing, it's okay, and, but that moment when the snow starts to melt, and then it's Ooh. the conditions is quite slippery, and then you have yeah. to watch your step. Yes, um, so, then yeah, it becomes but,
0: like those fail compilations where people try to go to their car, <laughs> and it's like, exactly, slipping. Exactly, <laughs> yeah.
1: So I, I remember, like, um, one time I was, like, returning home from, from the Institute, and then I was walking very carefully. Like I was watching my step and and everything. And then I came through my door and I was like, just about to like uh, enter my apartment. And then I slipped like from, from like, doesn't of my house I slip oh my
0: word yeah,
1: it wasn't a good experience it's so
0: unstable like yeah. you can't really tr- yeah. trust your footing oh my word no I think exactly. it, it. once it happens if it ever happens in South Africa like you saw I don't know if you saw recently there was a big yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like cold front here and there was a hail and maybe some ice forming on the road Yo, yeah. we do not know how to drive on ice or like you know handle <laughs> snow or imagine. anything that's not on a mountain top where you go to see it Yeah, yeah, yeah. shoot that was very dangerous and but the people loved it we enjoyed it but yeah at least it only last one day sure yeah, yeah. so um, just moving on to the chemistry and uh, your current uh, career what made you decide to go into this field of chemistry in the first place what drew you to chemistry when you were a young schoolboy and deciding yeah, yeah. what to do
1: yeah so basically for me I think it was like um, when I was in high school that I Uh, decided uh, or like uh, aspired to actually become uh, a chemist Um, and I think that is mainly thanks to uh, excellent excellent teachers uh, I had um, that were always uh, like enthusiastic about chemistry in the way um, in the way they were teaching it Um, and I remember that one of the earliest um, experiments um, that actually were intriguing to me were um, how a fire actually can't burn without oxygen and I mean it's, it's a simple like experiment um, but I mean that's I think that's how I got into uh, chemistry um, and basically that's what chemistry is uh, the study of matter and energy and in the, in the, in the, in the interaction um, mm-hmm. between them and then once I got to university level I was also introduced to uh, biochemistry which I actually also uh, like, uh, uh, love, start to love, like um, very much. But then, obviously, uh, at the end of the day, it was always just going to be uh, chemistry, um, because I believe that with chemistry we can solve the world's uh, problems, especially yeah, that's true. in terms of energy, environment, uh, etc. So yeah,
0: and yeah. if you carry on like you would know now, like if you carry on with postgrad, those feels kind of leach into each other. You exactly. You kind of like have exactly. to do with, yeah. So if you have passion yeah. for more than one field, it actually, you benefit yeah. from that later on. Yeah. So you are currently studying palladium catalyzed carbonylization reactions. Uh, why is it important to study these type of reactions?
1: Yeah, so um, carbonylation is, is basically a, uh, a reaction where you introduce Carbon monoxide um, into molecules, and it's obviously of great importance um, uh, in industry, um, but also uh, I think in small uh, laboratory uh, synthesis. And that is because um, a wide range of substrates can actually undergo uh, carbonalisation, and these include um, compounds like alkanes, um, alkenes, alkenes, um, organic halides, alcohols, uh, etc. Um, so you have you, you have access to a, a wide range of uh, of uh, compounds through this transformation um, in under uh, very high economic efficiency. Uh, so yeah, one of the projects that I'm currently involved in is uh, what we call epikarbonolization because the guy who discovered it was uh, uh, Walter Ripper. Um, so that's what we're currently investigating um, using uh, palladium-based uh, uh, catalyst. Now, it basically just involves the carbonylation of alkenes in the presence of uh, nucleophiles. And you can basically use a wide range of nucleophiles, um, ranging from water to alcohols uh, to amines and phyols. So by changing the nucleophile, you can change uh, the product um, that you uh um, if access to. Um, so I think the, one of the advantages of using the carbonylation, obviously, is the fact that um, it's based on catalyst. So we don't use any stoichiometric uh, reagents um, such as bases or inorganic salts, uh, etc. And then also it's 100% atom efficient, uh, which means that it doesn't generate any, any waste that we have to remove. Um, after the reaction, and then also another uh, uh, advantage of these carbonylation reactions is that in most cases, the alkene that you use is readily available. And the subset can be obtained from like um, renewable resources. And, and then oh, that's obviously uh, important from a green chemistry
0: uh, yeah. perspective.
1: So well, that's yeah.
0: wonderful to hear. I actually didn't think about yeah. that. Um, yeah. So just a quick in-between question, because I know you have a lot of experience in managing postgraduate projects. I like mean, from honours onwards now, you've had to deal with multiple teams and multiple product, uh, projects mm-hmm. the whole time. So I think for young students that are starting their postgraduate career, uh, this type of question will be very useful. Can you yeah. please describe your method for approaching a project and what it entails to manage time, budget and then, yeah. you know, give that results time effectively. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I, I don't think I do anything special, I think it's all unique, I think it's uh, similar to uh, what everyone else uh, do and, and, and I think the first thing that you that you will do is like reading uh, reading literature. Um, because you have to know what is out there, what's the current knowledge on the topic that you will be investigating. So I think that's uh, normally the first thing you do. And I'll say the second thing that you, uh, in most cases, do is just to set up a timeline. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, basically a type of to-do list which tells you exactly uh, what you have to do uh, uh, when. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you also have to be, be prepared that um, everything, it won't go according to plan. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, uh, research is, is, is dynamic. Um, so your timeline might, might change. Um, and I think also you have to be prepared for uh, failures, especially in the beginning, um, yes. especially if you work like on organic synthesis. We all know that uh, organic synthesis don't always work. You have to change mm-hmm. this, you have to change that, but then uh, eventually um, it, it works out. Um, and I've uh, I've a uh, joke with a friend of mine, and uh, we always say that there is a reason they call it research and not search because obviously you have to research, research. Um, all the time, <laughs> research all the time in order to uh, actually get uh, to the answer that perfect. you were looking for. And I've, another thing that I think that, which is important um, when working on project is just a regular writing of, of progress, of course, because mm-hmm. it basically just help you to like see what have you done. Um, and then it, it helps you to actually plan, like, future, ex, future experiments. Mm. And uh, my professor always told me that you need to write it on a level um, that once you start writing up an article, um, then your your work should actually be done. Um, yeah, it should, should yeah. be much easier to t- basically just adapt it um, to uh, a literature uh, form. True. And then another thing is... I think it's say is also to focus on like um what distinguishes your project from what is basically in the literature because I think that's how you you'll be able to actually make uh impact
0: with yes. uh,
1: what what you're doing so yeah like
0: to bring that novelty into your project as well exactly yeah. Yeah
1: yeah. yeah 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 that's
0: very cool thank you for that yes i think a lot of people are scared of failure and they feel like when yeah, their yeah. project has some failure that they're going to like You know, it's gonna be the end of the world or it's not what they planned for. But that's Mm. really the thing. When you start really looking into it, like you said with the research, uh, failure is literally the steps towards success. You have to have that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So thank you for that. And I mean
1: even even fail even failed experiments is good experiments because you know don't look into this, maybe move into this direction. So it it still is valuable.
0: You're saving someone else's time. <laughs> so
1: exactly. that's cool. Exactly. Yeah. So
0: uh, for one of your articles, as part of your previous work, you studied methods that can lead to the formation of primary and secondary amines. Yeah. Can you tell me a bit more about the synthesis method and how it worked?
1: Yeah, certainly. So um, the synthesis method were, were based on uh, rhodium-catalyzed uh, hydroaminomethylation and then uh, palladium-catalyzed uh dibenzalation. So hydroaminomethylation is basically a uh, one-potent reaction where it basically combines hydroformylation of alkenes um, to aldehydes and then the aldehydes undergo direct reductive amination um, to, f- um, to form uh, firstly amines and then it, uh, it undergoes hydrogenation to amines. Uh, so the reaction sequence uh, basically consists out of the initial hydroformylation of alkenes uh, to aldehydes, and this process was catalyzed by a rhodium iminoperylene catalyst that we developed uh, uh, that we developed in-house. Um, so basically, hydroformylation. Um, I've, earlier we spoke about uh, carbonylation reaction, and hydroformylation is also a type of uh, carbonylation reaction where uh, carbon monoxide and hydrogen, uh, in a mixer we call synthesis gauge. Um And it is basically added over the carbon-carbon uh, double bond of, of the alkene to produce like the aldehydes. And then the aldehydes undergo um, condensation with, uh, like we use benzyl amine, and that the benzalimine amine is actually present in the reaction mixture like from the beginning. Um, Yeah, so then it forms like immune intermediates and then the immune intermediates are then subsequently hydrogenated to like the saturated amines uh, and that process is catalyzed by the same catalyst which is responsible for the um, hydroformylation. So it basically combines uh, three steps into one where basically a single catalyst is responsible for both the hydroformylation, as well as the um, hydrogenation. And then we used uh, benzoamine um, as the uh, amine uh, source, or as the amine substrate. And it is mainly because it's a mask form of, of ammonia. And then uh, in the presence of uh, palladium carbon and hydrogen, uh, it actually goes uh, debenzolation uh, to produce the Primary and secondary aims that we uh, targeted uh, in this uh, article. Awesome. So,
0: yeah. Wow! Thank you for that thorough explanation. Wow, it's it's much mm-hmm. easier to see it on a diagram, but the way you describe it, I can imagine. Thank yeah, you so
1: yeah, yeah. much.
0: Um, so yeah, you also have another article which you mentioned with the um, uh, where are we are we now with the rhodium and the ruthenium that you were working on as well, uh, yeah. but. I just also want to know, like, um, I'll also link those articles in the podcast episode show notes if yeah, anyone yeah. wants to have a look at that. But I also want to know, why is it so important to form these amines and what are they used for at the end? What are their day-to-day applications?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, the current established methods uh, that one uses in order to make these uh, amines, uh, it commonly generates, like, a stoichiometric amount of uh, waste, um, and then in most cases, it utilizes corrosive acids and bases or uh, strong reducing agents like uh, lithium, lithium aluminium hydride. Um, so, of course, we need more uh, environmentally friendly uh, methods, um, and that, I think that's currently a huge focus um, in, in, in academia. Um, so, for instance, the hydroamine ethylation that we use. Is, is a highly atom economic reaction, uh, but it's not it, it is not completely um, atom atom efficient because it does produce, water as a byproduct, uh, but of course water is a, is a green chemical, mm-hmm. um, uh, and so it based, it like I think the main focus is that um, the what you do needs to confirm needs to conform to the twelve principles of uh, green chemistry. And then in terms of the um, application of the amine, so when we performed uh, the, the, the study, uh, we, we used various uh, alkene substrates for the hydroamine ethylation um, in the presence of the benzoamine, but we chose them with a specific uh, uh, um, application uh, in mind. So for instance, we use um, like normal aliphatic alkenes, and that allowed us to actually produce um, fatty amines. Um, and fatty amines uh, are obviously important in industry uh, with applications in like lubricants, um, surfactants um, in uh, corrosion uh, inhibitors. Um, but we also looked into the use of uh, aromatic alkenes um, such as styrene and, and eugenol because obviously they give you access to like a pharmaceutical um, um, intermediates. And then lastly, we also uh, evaluated um, alkenes containing um, ester and like, uh, alcohol uh, functionalities because it basically allowed us to prepare um, amino esters and amino alcohols, and they're obviously important in the uh, polymer uh, industries, uh, polymer precursors.
0: Awesome. Um, Wow. That's cool. I think a lot of people have learned something new just now, like not looking at a a standard thing they have in their house and like, oh, (laughs) it's an A mine. (laughs) Didn't know that. (laughs) And uh, all the methods that it takes to form that is just, you know, the whole, it's not as simple. As you would think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, my next question is just around your the, the work you mentioned now with the ruthenium and the rhodium and all that. But I also just want to know, during the failed experiments and so on, how did you did you find anything interesting? Was there anything that you found uh, strange or like discovered while you were investigating these synthesis sequences?
1: Yeah, so I think you, you are referring to the uh, dendromeric uh, structures yes. uh, that we uh, synthesize. So, yeah, the, the synthesis were, were quite were quite interesting. Um, and, I mean, for, for people who don't know what dendromes are, they are basically uh, macromolecules, um, and they can act as uh, multifunctional uh, ligands, which therefore um, they are therefore able to coordinate uh, multiple uh, multiple metal ions, and then once they um, coordinate these metal ions, we call them metallo Um So by coordinating multiple metal ions, um, it increases the local concentration of like the catalytic active metal metal ions. And if there's a synergistic effect between the different metal ions, then it, it enhances the catalytic activity, which is something that that we've uh, observed. Um, But also because of the fact that the molecules are now larger, um, um, larger molecules, um, there's also the possibility of uh, catalyst uh, recovery um, by means of like precipitation or uh, ultrafiltration. So, yeah, so I think that is one of the interesting things uh, about Matlodendromus, um, but I mean synthesizing them is, is is quite a quite a pain so <laughs> yeah.
0: oh, well that sounds really cool though. Um, so the instrumentation that you use during your postgraduate uh, postgraduate studies to characterize these compounds that you are formulating. Yeah. Uh, what type of instruments have you been dealing with the most and like what did you learn while using them?
1: Yeah, so basically, uh, we use or uh, well, we synthesize coordination compound, and these uh, coordination compounds were like fully characterized uh, using a range of analytical techniques. So um, our first line of characterization normally is is infrared spectroscopy, and then that is followed by uh, NMR, like uh, proton and uh, carbon NMR. Obviously, mass spectrometry, melting points, and uh, eleme- elemental analysis. Um, but in terms of like the testing of the compounds in catalysis, um, due to the fact that we performed experiments um, under under pressure, we had to make use of like high pressure high pressure reactors, um, and then we also use uh, microwave reactors because you know microwave is actually also um, quite a big topic mm. uh, nowadays. Um, and then another thing that we looked into is like um, high pressure infrared and high pressure NMR spectroscopy because they basically allowed us to like identify like um, interesting catalytic intermediates um, uh, during our uh, catalysis. So yeah, that's mostly the things that I that I were uh, involved in during my post studies.
0: <laughs> that's a large skill set to, yeah. to grow actually during that time like uh do you think yeah. it's beneficial for a project to have a, a lot of instrumentation work or do you think sometimes it's a bit of a disadvantage because you get you gain a lot of skill and you have a lot of you can yeah. actually put it on your CV you now to operate in NMR etc yeah. but you know like uh, no yeah. budget wise it might be a bit of a trick as well
1: yeah yeah no i i'll say it's 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 definitely an advantage um because now like you are not just trained as uh, chemists which can do synthesis, but you can also like do the, the analytical side mm-hmm. of things. Um, so obviously it, you, do, you do not go in as deep as like analytical chemists, for instance, um, but certainly I think it's definitely uh, an advantage um, to learn uh, different uh, uh, techniques. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah, so I think for people who want to do uh, postgraduate studies, they should definitely choose a project that you know, can incorporate some of those instrumentation, but obviously, they're yeah, yeah. planning a budget, planning that time is very important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so just to finish off, is there anything you would like to add or uh, you know tell the listeners about that they can uh, follow or go check you out on yeah, yeah. wherever you are, wherever your accounts are, social medias and so on?
1: No. Yeah, definitely. So I think I think the first one obviously is LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do have an account uh, on LinkedIn, maybe not as active as I should be, but uh, I, I am there. I mean, it's obviously under, under my name. Uh, and then obviously also I'm on the gate and I think it's probably better because it, it shows the work that, I'm, that I've done uh, and basically where, where I am now currently based and then also the work that I'm, that I'm currently doing. Um, but then, obviously, also, um, I will give you a link to the institute uh, where I'm currently at, at the Max Planck Institute for Chemical Energy uh, Conversion, um, because I think the website will give you much more thorough uh, f- uh, interdu- um, introduction into what we do at the uh, Max Planck Institute, uh, what I do, and yeah. Awesome. Definitely. Wonderful. I'm looking forward to hearing from some people.
0: Thank you. Now, definitely add those, oh, all those links to the show notes. Well, thank you so much yeah. for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. <laughs> it was so much fun. Yeah, uh, and I hope you have a lovely birthday and you can actually celebrate it.
1: <laughs> no, I will, definitely, I will definitely do it. <laughs> but thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, it's been a long time uh, coming, um, but it was probably for me yeah. to speak to so you. You're day.
0: very impressive uh, and yeah. your dedication and persistence really pays off. So I'm really impressed by you.